And welcome to Small Biz Matters here in the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM and live across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thank you for joining me once again. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted advisor, lover of all things admin and small business advocate. Um, very excited to be welcoming one of our special guests, one of our regular guests, Michelle Grisdale from Rainforest Bookkeeping. Welcome to the program today again. Thanks, Alexi. Nice to be here on this beautiful day. Beautiful day. Cold outside, warm inside. Cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. Now, we're going to be talking about something that you and I are very, very passionate about. And and it's basically, do you want to do it cheap or do you want to do it right? And we're going to be discussing today basically the impact of such a large change to the bookkeeping world, but also to every single small business owner who has employees, single touch payroll, but not so much just about single touch and the differences that it's making to everybody's lives in terms of admin and bookkeeping and the things that they need to be aware of, but also the bigger picture and the question about the type of people that you bring into your business and whether or not you're trusting the right people and and whether or not you are ensuring that they're the right fit for your business and making sure that they know what they're doing. And it's something that you and I are very passionate about indeed. So it's basically, you know... If, if you didn't hear about what single touch payroll is, you probably need to rethink whether or not you should be in business right now. But it is a big change for the 2.2 million businesses. And um, one example of compliance where, you know, you should really know what it is that you're talking about. So the solution is make sure that you're surrounded by the good people. But how do you know who to find? and How do you know where to find them? And the questions to ask to make sure that they are the right fit for your business and they actually know what they're doing. Who do you need to avoid, for instance? And what should you and should not you be expecting them to do for you? So as I said before, Michelle Grisdale is an expert bookkeeper, a mentor, a champion of the bookkeeping practices, and uh, she's here to join us today in discussion. So thank you for joining us on Small Biz Matters. Thanks, Alexi. So let's talk about single touch payroll first. Yes. Yes. Big change, Big all change. sort of like threw us all into the deep. Well, I wouldn't say it threw us into the deep end because the ATO has been giving us plenty of notice. There's lots of information out there. Their PR, you know, machine has been has been running amok and just making sure there's heaps of info out there. There's stuff on the website. Um, professional associations should be telling their uh, members about this. And it basically affects who? Who should be sitting up straight and, and knowing what the, the change means for their business? Every. Everyone, everyone who employs employs anybody, even if you're a closely held, which is a husband and wife team, you need to know about this. And we've been teaching our clients this for two years, but I still yesterday get the question, where's my group certificate? I find it funny when people say group certificate. It's like, it's, it, it, that is sort of an 80s, 90s term. We yes. have moved on, everyone. We now call them payment summaries. But now, oh no, no the ATO has no. changed now it we're again. income statements. Yes. And so with income statements, that means that there, there is, there's no paper. There's no statement. Everything goes through your MyGov or through your tax agent. And, and that's so been a big change, hasn't it? It's a big change. Yeah. It's making people um, get online, get on MyGov and and. There's a lot of people that are still waiting for that paper to take to somebody or to do their own tax, but people, there's no paper. Paper's mm. gone. And we kind of need to rip the Band-Aid off, don't we? We do need to rip the Band-Aid off. And we need to understand that, guess what? It's the digital yes. era and your stuff is online. And I'm afraid you just have to deal with that. So, um, I mean, like, let's talk about that. How does an employer have that discussion with their staff where they turn around and say, well... Um, there is no piece of paper. How does that? How does that go? I mean, you know, how should you be having that well, discussion we with all, your staff? As Baz agents, we provided what the ATO gave us uh, to tell them what to do, how to get on MyGov. We've done a lot of training with the employees and how to get them on MyGov and how to look for these things. Um, my response all week has been: there is no paper. We've been having this discussion for two years. 
They just need to log on to MyGov and get the data. There's Is it that nothing hard? for me to provide. There's, it's not that hard, but if they're relying on their parents and their girlfriends and their whatever to have their tax phone number and to have their document ID and to have different pieces of identification to create your MyGov, that's where they come unstuck. They just want it done for them. And it's time to grow up. Yeah, it's about to add. You need to adult. It's time, it's time to, to adult. adult. <laughs> it is. I have four grown kids and they're still calling me, Mom, what's my tax phone number? <laughs> it's time to adult. <laughs> I don't do your tax. It's all there. Answer the questions do it. So that's what your employees need. They need to have all that documentation sitting in front of them. And, you know, in a way, you are handheld through the process. You're told what documents you need yes. before you start. You need a cup of tea, sit down, have those documents in front of you. Once it's done, it's done. You're in. And everything's linked. Your e-tax, your Medicare, your CES, if you have that. Everything, everything is linked. Mm. And so it's a one point of truth. And that's what we're trying to get to with STP, with your super being reported, with everything being reported. That one point of truth. So let's talk about STP. Let's, um, in your mind, tell me uh, what is it that the ATO is trying to achieve? I mean, as, as bookkeepers, we sit there and, and we really ha- almost have an inside knowledge into why why this is happening. What what are they trying to improve by doing a single They're not payroll? trying to just give us more compliance. What they're trying to do is all the businesses that we're paying for that are not reporting their paying their PYG, that are not paying their super, that are not doing the right things. This is what we're trying to get past. We're trying to, to you know, use our taxes wisely, mm. use our, not use our taxes chasing these people that are just getting away with not paying their taxes, not paying their super. Um, link it all together. Get the data so that we can actually make a difference to the future and where things are going. And one of the big gaps, of course, that the ATO is talking about a lot and the government is talking about a lot is the gap in superannuation. Huge. Billions huge of dollars of unpaid super. Yes. And because up until this point, superannuation companies have taken up to 18 months to tell the ATO what's happening with people's super accounts, yes. by then a, gov- a, a business might have gone out of business, yep. um, no longer be even paying its employees, let alone back paying the entitlements and the superannuation that they're entitled to. And that's the big gap they're trying to fill, right? It is. It's a very big gap. Um, and not only that, but even making sure their employees are being paid correctly. You know, all this data is going to go in and you will be able to see that. You will be able to see the allowances and the loadings and the overtime and making sure that these things are being paid right. It's it's a, it's a great thing for employees in the long run to get on your MyGov, do the right thing, have your employers do the right thing, and it all comes together. It just makes sense. It does. And so we've got, I guess we've got two camps. We've got three camps. We've got the people who always do things right yep. on the front foot, yep. organising with their BAS agent, their bookkeeper, making sure that they, they're doing everything right and bang, they're ready to go. That's our ideal client, right? And then we've got the people who um, really don't understand, have a clue, or are, are even researching what they're required to do as a business. And they want to do the right they thing. They want to do the right they thing. They just don't know how. Or they're time poor. They're time poor. And it comes down to they're too yes. busy to to do it. Now, I don't know about you, but this this isn't washing with me anymore. This just isn't working for me anymore. Because in my mind, uh, you know, as we grow more experienced with looking after businesses and advising them... It just doesn't cut it. You're responsible for employees. You're responsible for their super. Don't run a business if you can't run a business. And if you don't know the rules and you don't have the training, get the training because just because that's the way it's always been doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. There's a lot of responsibility with owning a business and you have to step up. It's, it's you just, have to adult. You have to, you <laughs> do. You have to adult, but not even just adult. You have to business own. Yes, 
It's time to own, own your, business. your business. Own it. You have to own your business. <laughs> but it's very interesting because I think um, there are people who, who do want to do the right thing. Um, and it, I guess in engaging with, um, you know, professionally accredited, qualified people to support them, they are doing the right thing. But it is a bit of a two-way street, isn't it? I mean, it is. you still... We're not permitted to answer the questions. They have to provide the information so we can process it. We can't assume. We can't provide the information. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about that processing process, if you will. Um, what is a bookkeeper allowed to do versus what a, say, for example, well, let's, well, let's talk firstly about what a, what a, what a bookkeeper is permitted to do. Just what is a bookkeeper allowed to do? Well, you, you, we have steps here. We have an admin who does whatever you tell her in the office, whatever you tell him in the office, we have a bookkeeper. A bookkeeper is not necessarily a registered, licensed person. A bookkeeper is a bookkeeper. Um, then you have a BAS agent and then you have a tax agent. When you get to BAS agent and tax agent, we're registered. We do, we do hundreds of hours of education. We're learning all the time. A bookkeeper, the only qualification is somebody decides, we're going to put bookkeeper on your title. That's what it is. Mm. It, do, it means that they can process they can reconcile they there's a um they can do a lot of things but they can't and they can ask a lot of questions but they cannot answer any of those questions as an unregistered bookkeeper um they you know someone said to me once nobody goes into a company wanting to do payroll you get thrown into doing payroll you get thrown into being a bookkeeper you get thrown into do filing the bases and and pushing the buttons for compliance but that doesn't mean that you're trained that doesn't mean that you know how to do everything then you leave that company you go out as a contractor and you start charging a little bit more per hour and you're still pushing that button, but legally you're not allowed to push that button. You're mm. not allowed to push that button for the pay runs, for the super, for the PAYG and the bases. That is that's where your role stops. Mm -hmm. And the the business owner just thinks, well, that you've always done it, so you just keep doing it. You can't. And whose responsibility is that if that's being done incorrectly? So if At someone the end of the day, got, it's the business owner. Right. And so a BAS agent you know they're a BAS agent and you can check this on the yes. Tax Practitioners Board. Yes. You can look for them um, and they should be, if they're showing the little symbol, mm. which is the BAS agent symbol, they should actually have a number under that. That's actually mandatory for, for anyone who's a BAS agent. Now, if, if they don't have the, the, the number, if they don't have a BAS agent qualification, just remind us again, what should they not be doing? They should not be lodging uh, super? They, they cannot. Not, they not. cannot even, even with single touch payroll, you have to say that you're a registered agent to authorize that pay run. The business owner can. You cannot push the button on behalf of the business owner. You cannot use the business owner's Oz key to lodge the bases. And I can tell you hundreds of people that I know personally that have always done that because it's the way that it's always been done. Mm. You are not, that is, it's fraud. Yes, but it's if you work, fraud. but if you're an employee yes. of a company, but your title happens to be bookkeeper, yep. then you are permitted to do what? That's right. You're you're an employee. You yes. can process the pay runs. You yes. can file the single touch payroll. Um, you can do a, a lot of those things, but as it's that you can't do as a contractor. Yeah, and that's the difference. I mean, and the question to ask is if you have somebody coming in to do the bookkeeping every month, are they asking you to sign an authorization with every pay run? with every super lodgement, with every BAS? And if they're not, why are they not? Yes. Why are they not requesting your authorization? Because they're not registered. Yeah. 
and they're not doing things properly and they're and they're not they're not necessarily keeping their training up i mean I spend every week, we spend hours every week learning something new about single touch payroll, about BASs, about GST, about um, fair work. <laughs> yeah, that whole um, yeah conglomeration of uh, awards and rulings and regulations mm. and stipulations that every small business owner should know. But obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing to know. I mean, mm. I think what people assume is that accountants... They know what they're doing. They've, they're tax agents. But it's the same thing with BAS agents. It's the same thing with BAS agents. And um, there's a lot of, I guess, education and involvement that goes into into learning about being a BAS agent that you need to make sure that you've done all that. You've done the legwork in order to call yourself and a BAS, a BAS agent. agent doesn't necessarily have to be ridiculously expensive, you know, but it's not about the hourly rate. It's about how much is it costing you to could be compliant and to to do the right things. So how many hours is it taking you behind the scenes to do everything that the BAS agent is going to do for you um, so that you can earn money at what you're good at? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I wouldn't hire an unlicensed mechanic to fix my car. I wouldn't try and fix my car because I'm not a mechanic. I wouldn't hire an electrician who has no qualifications and no license to come and work on my house and risk my family. Well, that's the risk. That's the thing, I think. The big word is the risk here because um, what you're essentially inviting this person to do is, A, you're inviting them in to have a look at all your financial records. And everything that's completely confidential. Have you signed an engagement letter with this person? I mean... um, you know, don't get me wrong. There, there is, there are absolutely fantastic uh, bookkeepers out there who are not yet BAS agents, yes. or who may choose not to be a BAS agent, and they Correct. know exactly what their limitations are. That's right. Just like any professional should know what their limitations are and what they are and are not allowed to do. Um, but the big thing that should be really, um, you know, sending alarm bells out there is: Have you signed an engagement letter with this person? Have you and them signed something that said this confidential information that I have access to will be day shared and with night no one will be shared with no one will be discussed with no one will be um, will not be used against you um, I will not steal from you all this sort of stuff and if you haven't signed anything you should be asking yourself why and is this the sort of professional that you want to have access to all that sort of high sensitivity data. We're going to take a quick break here on Triple H 100.1 FM. And when we come back with Small Biz Matters, we're going to discuss uh, a little bit more detail about what is happening right now with single touch payroll in your business and what you should have done by now. And if you haven't, don't panic. We're going to help you through it. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So just before the break, we were talking about um, the importance of having, uh, surrounding yourself with good people, really, when you're running a business and trustworthy, educated, qualified professionals who can assist you and the importance of having a good bookkeeper. Let's go a little bit more in depth now about single touch payroll, because that, of course, became mandatory for anyone with employees as of the 1st of July just gone. And importantly, even those who employ themselves or their partners that you need to um, be single touch payroll compliant. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and spend squillions of dollars on the latest, greatest snazzy online software, does it? No, it doesn't. And and they will uh, filter it in for those husband and wife teams. you know, so but then and then they will have to report quarterly. Um, there are some very low cost solutions. The ATO says that they will never offer a direct solution, so you'll never be able to just lodge onto your ATO portal and put the information directly in. You will have to go through some sort of software. But I would say on that that they have made sure that 
all of the softwares that are ATO compliant um, are listed somewhere. So I think it's on the ATO website. There are yes. some low-cost low solutions. Uh, I'll give you an example. An audio engineer that I know of who has... Um, hundreds of uh, talent on his books and he has to pay them through payroll and that's all fine. He doesn't want to go online with his software. So he actually has a plugin that extracts the data out of his desktop version of his software that he uses and reports to the ATO. And I believe it was only 29 cents per person per pay run, right. which is yeah. pretty low it's cost. Pretty yeah. So there are definitely options out there for you. So you yeah. don't have to go you out just, and spend Just gone are the days where you can just do your payroll on Excel, look up, up your tax tables and pay your employees because with every single pay event, it has to be reported. And mm-hmm. so that's the difference. So if you pay your employees weekly, you have to report to the ATO weekly. And how are you going to do that if you're working on an Excel spreadsheet? Oh, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, you have to be in some sort of supporting mechanism. You have to. Yes, or, or or you're going to find yourself punching in numbers into somebody else's system, which is obviously fraught with danger because you could have typos and you could have. There's you no know, one point of truth. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, exactly. And I guess that's what you're paying for, isn't it? When you when you're paying for these super duper yep. fandangled pieces of software you're making sure that it's easier for you to do it. That's right. I mean, so with us, um, with myself, I'm 100% zero. And so I, my, the employees enter everything into a timesheet, which links to payroll, which links to super, which links to zero tax. And so I'm not typing in anything. The mm. employee puts their details in, everything gets checked, everything gets reconciled, and it's reported. So the, the human error just isn't there. So let's talk about... Um, the 1st of July. So from this point forwards, you ha- a need to uh, report every pay event. Now, what information is going to the ATO with each of those pay events? Year-to-date figures only. So they're not reporting on the number of hours they work each week. But those year-to-date figures need to be split out into their ordinary time, their allowances, their loadings in many cases, and also then their super has to be reported on every pay slip. Their PAYGs are reported on every pay slip. Um, all of that information is going to the ATO. Now, you don't have to worry about if there's changes or you need to, to, to make adjustments because with the next pay run, it will update those year-to-date figures. So, I mean, and updating, I mean, changing pay runs now, even with the automated systems, is not as easy as it used to be. Because as soon as you file that pay event with single touch payroll, it's locked. Mm. So you can't just reverse it and undo it. But you can, uh, for example, um, do in a lot of cases, you can do what's called an unscheduled pay run. Say, for example, you make a decision to pay uh, one of one of your staff a bonus, for example, right in the middle of it's not necessarily got anything to do with their pay. Yes. So you would um, do what's called an unscheduled pay run, for example, and, and pop it into whatever the system is and, and it will calculate the That's tax correct. and calculate the, the super for you. Um, and, and then you can still issue the pay slip. And that's a really fundamental thing, isn't it? The ATO wants to know that you're also issuing. I mean, everyone should have been issuing pay slips anyway. That's actually mandatory. Those but of you that's who don't not realize. reality. Reality. Mm. I'm just blown away at how many businesses have never have never issued pay slips, and they don't even know what what belongs on a pay slip. But every pay slip, you you need you have to have a all of the fundamentals like what award on are they under what is their um what was this some some even have their start date on it which you may or may not need mm. um but you need to know how many hours ordinary or how much time ordinary they get paid mm-hmm. um do you have their correct address F- fundamental to single touch payroll is having the correct employee details um 
is their payslip being authorized, uh, uh, being emailed? Is it authorized? Um, there's just so many things that need to be on that payslip. But as soon as you pay, make that pay, it has to be the payslip has to be sent to the employee and the STP has to be reported to the ATO on or before the pay event. So if you pay them today, you can't just send it to the ATO next week or next month or next quarter for that matter. It's on the payday or before. Now, the ATO is obviously looking very closely at pays you go withholding. What you've declared is what you need to pay to them. That's pretty obvious. They're also, as we know, looking very closely at superannuation. What you say you're going to pay to the super funds is actually what you paid to the super funds by the deadline. And you should all know your quarterly deadlines for your employees, super. Um, But the other part, of course, is this new, I wouldn't say it's new, but I I guess this relationship that's happening with single touch payroll between the ATO and the fair um, fair work. And and why it's important that you know exactly what you're paying your staff because there's data matching going on, there's benchmarks, there's industry. If you're in a particular industry and you're not paying your staff a certain level, um, the ATO is going to pick up on that. And it's not that hard to see really because, you know, you go into so many businesses and they, and they just say, right, I'm going to pay you $25 an hour. Well, that may sound like enough for you, but does it meet the award? Are you checking the award? You should be checking the award at least quarterly, if not more often. Um, and if you're part of an association, like, you know, say an elect- electrical company, you're you're part of the master electricians. And so they're telling you when these award changes or the butchers, mm. Um you know, and the the hours that you're operating, are you paying overtime? Are you paying overtime on some of the casuals that is due for a, for some of the awards? Um, get, get onto the ATO's packed website. Answer the questions. It's really not that difficult to answer the questions. The hardest thing to figure out is which award do you fall under? You know, if you're a warehousing company and you're paying under the clerk's award, is that necessarily correct? Yeah, it's really important that you understand the awards for your industry. And this is where your professional industry association is so important for you because you can pick up the phone to them and ask them and say, look, I've got this situation. This is what the employee is going to be doing. Which award do you think that comes under? And really, they are the experts in this. And failing that, if you're not part of a professional association, um, you can go. There's lots of really great HR people out there and employment lawyers who can assist you with setting up your staff the right way the first time. So making sure that you've got all that those important things like employment agreements um you know do you have the tax form do yes. you are you giving them the super choice form are you giving them their fair, fair work, work information statement, statement? <laughs> so i mean we have a packet that we send to every employer and every every new client that we have we say right here you go it's all branded ready to go every yep. new employee send it to them yep and that's essentially what you should have because you have a responsibility to make sure that your employees are not only paid correctly, paid on time, and you're reporting it to the ATO, but actually they're looked after. And and that part of that employment agreement is you stating that we will make sure that you are protected, that you're looked after in terms of work health and safety, that you're not bullied and all that sort of stuff. You're your giving you entitlements. Yeah, Even, you know, the care. young kid that comes over after work and works two hours a day and you're paying him $10 an hour, check the award and you're probably underpaying him because that $10 an hour includes a 25% casual loading. That's right. So, so understanding <laughs> the awards can be tricky because, I mean, you know, you and I, you know, we, we do this for a living. Um, I'm not sure how people who, who have English as a second or third language navigate their way through that system. But don't forget, there are options for you to call and, and get a translation service for that assistance. So that all those, all those support mechanisms are there. You've just got to go looking for them. So one of the things that is going to change and evolve with the STP system is the ATO's ability to, I guess, check 
um, that you're paying your employees correctly. Don't forget 1st of July, there's always a CTP increase. Most awards go up. So make sure you're checking those, especially around the 1st of July. So right now, if you're paying, you know, weekly or monthly, you should be aware of what those changes are. Um, And then the other thing, of course, is that um, uh, the scenario, which is slightly different for people who are husband and wife team, for example, that what does the ATO call that again? It's closely held. What? what, I don't know. How does that even? And so I guess because they're cuddling. No, (laughs) and it doesn't matter whether they're closely held and they're a sole trader, a partnership, a company doesn't matter. But the say you have husband and wife directors, father and son directors, and they just pay themselves willy nilly, however they want to pay themselves or let the accountant sort it out at the end of the year. Well, that's going to go away. Mm. We're going to have to estimate quarterly. We have a, I think we have a year to do this, but you, and, but you can start doing it now. There's no reason you can't start doing it now. So you're going to have to estimate your income quarterly. You pay your PAYG quarterly. You pay your super quarterly. And then at the end of the year, the accountant goes through the whole thing, figures out whether he's going to do dividends or shares or what he's going to do. And then you make that adjustment with your final pay event. But waiting to the end of the year is gone. Yeah, it's going. So be be prepared for that, everyone. You're going to need to go on a minimum of quarterly single touch payroll. And the other thing you need to be aware of is that you need to, uh, now what was the expression we said? The ATO says it's not a long-term solution and you need to apply for a concession to report quarterly as a minimum. As a minimum. As a minimum. Correct, yes. And only a BAS agent or a tax agent can do that or the business owner can do that on, right. on their behalf. That's so right. be aware of that. And not only that, but when you're running a company, when you're a sole trader in a partnership, you have a lot lot more leeway. You know, you can call things drawings and loan accounts and do all of these things. When you're a company, a lot of, you need to stop start treating it as a company and as a business. This is not your money. Mm. This is the company's money. That's right. Different entity. Very, very separate. There's actually a reason why companies have their own tax file number. Because according to the ATO, they're a different, a different entity. Different entity. And yes. it, it, I guess in a psychological way, it's a really good way to differentiate or disassociate yourself away from being the business and being an employee of mm. the business. And it helps and with Even growth. just as a side note, make sure that you have either a second director or a second shareholder or a beneficiary or something so that if something happens to you as the business, that there is someone else who can make these decisions and file these STPs and file your tax because it's, we've seen it, we've seen it happen. Well, give us your example that you had with um, with one of your clients. um, uh, Company, uh, proprietary limited company, sole director, sole beneficiary, sole shareholder, drop dead on the golf course. He was a golf pro. Um, there was no one who could wind up his business. There was no one who could release his employees. There was no one who could, I could we couldn't sign his bars. We couldn't close his bank accounts. We couldn't do anything. We, you know, STP, yes, he's got to be STP compliant, but there's no one who no can one sign No one to anything. sign off on it. Exactly. So he's, six he months later, to the business yeah. is still running and t- completely non-compliant because th- there was there was no one who could do anything. So think about that. What does that impact have? Have a chat to, um, you know, have a chat to your local um, legal professional who might be able to assist you. Have another look at your will um, and what does that situation and that scenario have a will you might not have yeah. any you might not have any um dependents i guess or you may not be married or have children and but so you don't think about your business it. and exactly one of my clients said well i'm gonna be dead who cares well yes but your employees <laughs> if you've what got about employees? your employees yeah and what so, about those um perhaps those 
those clients, oh, sorry, I should say those suppliers who are relying on things, everything's locked up. So it's a, it's an important lesson for all of us to take away. Let's take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the highs and the lows and the impacts and the positive and the negative impacts of, of engaging with someone who may not necessarily be... I guess, qualified to do what it is that you need them to do. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. So today we are talking all about, um, well, we're talking to Michelle Grisdale, a passionate mentor, uh, advocate, supporter, but you're not just a supporter of bookkeepers as such. You're also a supporter of small business. Why are you so passionate about small businesses getting it right? Is it because they have to? No, I don't think so. I think I've been there. I've been through so many small businesses, um, but myself as an employee, uh, with my husband as a hairdresser, working with so many apprentices and working with my beautiful young tradies. And they're, they're, they're awesome. They want to do what they're great at. They want to do business. They want to be successful, but they really don't want to do what I do. Mm. And I love that. I love it when I show up and they go, Shelly. You're going to take away all my my problems. And I go, well, I don't know about that, but I can certainly try. But that's essentially what a good, um, I guess, consultant or a person you're bringing into your business is is literally to solve the problem. So if if you want to engage with, for example, a good BAS agent, tell me some of the questions you should be asking them fundamentally to check that everything's you know above board with a good bad agent of course you need to search them on the on the tax practitioners board website and you need to see that they are registered um and if they're not registered then they're a bookkeeper what but why aren't they registered is it because they don't want the the risk of the compliance um i hear that all the time you know great bookkeepers but they're not registered because they're too worried about having all the compliance on their shoulders um you know, I don't personally understand that, but they need to be asking what is their business background? What is their expertise? They may not have been a plumber or they may not have been an electrician, but how do they know about apprentices? Where did they come from? Mm. What's their history? Mm. Um, as far as payroll is concerned, did they just land in payroll or have they actually done any training in payroll? Um, are they part of an industry association? Uh, the industry associations, we get so, I mean, we do what, two, two courses a year, minimum training, and then many of us go to training every single month to make sure that we stay aware of what's going on. Because Working there's a lot going office, on, isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot going on. Mm. And I mean, even when I was an employee bookkeeper, work, working in an office, there's no one to ask. You're just, you just are supposed to know. You're supposed to wait for things to come out from the ATO or fair work or whatever. But we're actually on the forefront asking the questions before we get that information to give to our clients. And it's about being part of a community it as is. well. And there's a lot of support groups. There's, there's obviously online social networking groups that support yes. one another. We can ask questions. We've got our professional association where we can ask questions of them um, and it reduces and all of the stress as That's well right. because it's it's a very lonely world out here being a BAS agent and a bookkeeper with no if, if you have no one to speak to and ask questions with. Mm. Um, again, as an employee bookkeeper, you are on your own. You d- you're not stepping out and necessarily being part of these associations, but you can be. You don't have to be a BAS agent to be part of the ICB and part of the ABN and part of the so many other associations that are out there. Join in and make sure that you know what you're doing. So let's talk about 
um, from a perspective of understanding changes and compliances that are required by small businesses, let's talk about some of the things that businesses are less aware of that they should be doing um, and, and that they need to be aware of. And this is why if you're not understanding what we're saying when, when, these, when, we, when we say these <laughs> yeah. pieces of legislation or compliance, um, that perhaps you do need to engage with someone who's qualified and can, can assist you. Um, so, so tell me some of the, the pieces oh, of well, legislation. The biggest <laughs> one is, okay, workers' comp. You're hiring staff. Do you have workers' compensation? Do you know that you have to have workers' compensation? And that includes if you are hiring yourself, if you are a PTYLTD company. That's right. And you are your own employee or your husband and wife team or partner's teams that are, that are, that are doing that, you must also um, su- supply Even if you're comp. paying yourself dividends and not paying yourself a wage, those wages must be included in your workers' comp um, uh, uh, tallies. Um, are you hiring contractors? You know, a lot of your contractors may be deemed employees and may need to be included in your workers' compensation as well. Um, Do you know what a taxable payments annual report is? Are you part of the building industry, construction, the cleaning, the couriers? There's, and there's a few others coming out this year, I understand. Security and IT. Security yeah, actually, and we've IT. Got, we've got the head of TPAR yes. from the ATO coming on the show in mm-hmm. a few weeks' time who's going to outline all of that. And yes. do you know that it's not just about filling out a, f- a form at the end of the year? It's about when you are getting these these invoices, are you making sure that they're ABN, their registered address, that they are registered for GST? Are you making sure that everything on their data, they're using an, an ABN that's not Bunnings? <laughs> yeah, how many times have you seen uh, you that? You know, honestly, you know, you, you went, as soon as you get that invoice, before you pay it, you have to check that ABN. And if you don't check the ABN, you can't claim the deduction, you can't claim the GST, you can't claim any of it. And you also can't... Um and you have to make sure that the ABN is not cancelled. And cancelled, yes. Just because it pops up on the that's, ABN lookup right. screen, you have to make sure that line there that says active, active, active that's, that's really right. important. So with the taxable payments and report, so what we do is when we get the invoice, it goes into our lovely program receipt bank that we love um, and we can see it. We can bring up the ATO ABN lookup screen. We can check it at the same time. We can put in all the details and send it through to zero. Be honest, when you see a contractor's invoice, does that mean you automatically check it every always. single Be- time because what proportion of times are they wrong they're either not showing the gst correctly or yes. they don't have all the data on there or they don't have an identifier if if the invoice is more than a thousand dollars you actually need to have an identifier for your client you can't just put the client name there and abm is best but you need to at least have yep. an address um it's frustrating when you don't have a unique um, invoice numbers because it's hard to track the payments. I, it's often enough that I have a template that I email straight out to the supplier to say, I'm sorry, this is not a valid tax invoice or this is not a valid even invoice because <laughs> it doesn't have all of the requirements. Mm. And they say, what do you mean? I've always done this. Again, just, just because, because it's yep. always been done that way doesn't mean, mean it's, it's right. right. And yes, I'm that person that's going to say, sorry, unacceptable, will not be paid until it's right. And please, everyone stop paying people before you have even received an invoice. Yes. That's crazy. Because it is crazy. Remember, you're not allowed to claim that deduction unless it's a valid tax invoice and a valid contract or and a valid you situation. you must withhold almost half of that invoice if they're not registered, if they don't have an ABN. And if you pay it, how are you going to get that 48% back? That's right. So you it's have to withhold possible. the 48% and then you have to declare it on a different section of your BAS form as well so that you've got it listed and showing the ATO, which of course is going to red flag the ATO, that there's someone that you've engaged with that it's not 
uh, you know, a legitimate business. So why is that? Yada, and not yada. just that, it, you know, yes, you're paying a casual labor of 500 bucks. No ABN, no claim. That is that going to come out of your loan account? It's 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 not it's just not legal. Mm. You cannot pay somebody without an ABN. You know, you even just giving a referral fee as a gift, uh, you know, five hundred dollars because he's he's referred you a big client. It's not claimable. So there's a whole bunch of things that you need to have. Maybe you know, if some of these things are starting to go, oh, oh, I do Ooh, that. Hang on, oh, hang I do on that. A second. Ooh, hang, oh, on. hang on. Have a discussion with your BAS agent. Have a discussion with your accountant about what you can legitimately do. Um, different industries have different benchmarks, different standards. But again, let's go back to the fundamental of what today's program is all about. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean doesn't, that it's right. right. Yes. So, what are some of the other pieces of legislation that I guess um, uh, uh, long service leave? Yeah. Okay, long service leave. In the building and construction industry, every year you have to file an annual report. And I, I, I've found five companies that I'm working with right now that have never done that. Um, that, again, doesn't mean it's okay. And it doesn't mean that you have to pay money. It just means that for every employee in the building industry, we have to have documentation where they worked because they can claim that long service leave, not just with one employer, but through the whole industry. So, you know, the, the employees are not benefiting by you not claiming those annual returns. Mm. Um, you just do it. <laughs> Another big one, of course, is making sure you're paying your employees correctly. So, um, for example, a BAS agent might say to you, oh, I've started employing this person. So, you know, straight away, there's a bunch of questions we ask, which is, have you checked whether or not you're paying them the minimum wage? Mm. Have you checked whether or not you know, if you've been employing them, if that wage went up on the 1st of July or at any point in time, has there been a wage increase that you haven't incorporated? I've had some that say, well, I don't pay overtime. Well, <laughs> is there, does their wage, is their wage high enough to include the overtime that they would work? Yeah. And Are have they you shown benefiting? that on the payslip? Because yes. now, guess what? With single touch payroll, that's going to We be had there. one as well just recently. They said, well, I make all my employees take all their four weeks annual leave together because I can't be without them in different times of the year. And I said, well, you can't do that either. It's not legal. You can't pay them out for four weeks holiday if they don't take it with and leaving, leaving no annual leave in the bank. Um, it's just not legal. You can pay them for two weeks if they still have another four sitting there. Mm -hmm. But just because it's the way it's been done doesn't mean you can continue to do that. And just, as soon as someone says to me, I don't pay overtime, then I'm gonna, going to scrutinize it even more because there's something not right there. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for those emails that you do receive when you're getting notifications from your professional association. Read those because that's where a lot of those compliance tips or compliance changes that you need to be aware of, um, they're probably those and the emails you get from your accountant and your bookkeeper and your BAS agent are probably the most important ones in terms of compliance that yes. you need to be aware of with your I business. Mean, did you know that you cannot start paying an apprentice apprentice wages if you are, have not signed them up within a 30-day period with their training association. Just so because you're going to doesn't mm. mean you can pay them apprentice wages. You have to pay them part-time, full-time, casual wages until you have them registered and have that appointment, have to have them registered. So to wrap up today's show, I mean, really, um, it's about engaging with the right professional to make sure that they are qualified, knowledgeable, um, accredited, have Somebody done all of their... Somebody has your back. Yeah, exactly. Somebody has to have your back. We're, we're out in here, we're doing this. It's a hard slog being a business owner. It's a hard slog having employees. Somebody has to have your back. Mm. 
and make sure that someone is aware of your industry. So lots of really great bookkeepers and BAS agents out there will niche and they will really have some really inside knowledge into what it is that your industry does and therefore they're going to be best you know, best place to be really be able to give you the advice. Without a doubt. I would, if I was a cafe, I would definitely find a bookkeeper that specialises in cafes. Absolutely. So um, thank you very much for joining us on the show today in conversation with Michelle Grisdale from Rainforest (laughs) Bookkeeping. How can people find out more information about you, Michelle? Um, You can find me on all the socials. Um, You can, my Facebook page, rainforestbookkeeping.com.au, my website. Um, Love to chat, um, love small businesses, love my tradies. (laughs) Thank you again for joining us on Triple H. 100.1 FM. Next week, we've got another fantastic guest, plus uh, lots of other guests lined up for the next few weeks as well. So join us and get educated and find out um, lots of information, not just about compliance, which is what we covered today, but about growing and um, improving and having best practice in your business. Thanks for joining me, Alexi Boyd with Small Biz Matters. We'll be back again next week.